You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Hey, Cliff, how you doing? I'm doing okay today, Bobo. How are you, more importantly? <laughs> that is more important, huh? Well, to some people. <laughs> um, doing good, thanks. Excellent. Good. Got anything exciting going on you want to share, or just you want to jump right into it today? Um, nothing exciting I want to share, no. Okay. Well, let's jump on into it then, because uh, I think we have a great guest. You lined this person up, didn't you? Tell us about what, how you met this person, and, um, and then we'll bring him in. I met him working on that Robert Knievel documentary. And when we were looking for witnesses, I tracked him down. He was the most recent one at the time that I could find. And I mean, it was just four or five, five months ago, his, his uh, encounter. His name is Jesse. He's a former Marine. Um, good guy. I got to hang out with him, spend a day with him uh, last week. I thought he'd be good for the podcast because he told me some very interesting observations he made. And I thought you'd find them pretty fascinating, too. And I got to say, when I first heard Jesse's story, I thought, well, I read it, I thought, uh, this doesn't sound right. Like this, I think this guy's tripping, whatever. I'll have to give him a try. And then I talked to him like, Oh, this guy's the real deal. And then I met him in person. We hung out for the day and I was, I was like, Oh, this guy's definitely telling the truth. So that makes his observations even, you know, more, more, uh, compelling. Cool. Yeah. Cause sometimes, you know, on the face of things, sometimes things do sound like they might be fake or embellished or whatever. And then you hang out with the person and get their full perspective and a little bit longer version of the story. And a lot of those things that perhaps didn't ring true in the first place might sound a little bit more reasonable later. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. So yeah. So Cliff, this is Jesse. Jesse, thanks so much for coming on Bigfoot and Beyond. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your story. Um, should we just jump right into it, or you want to give us a little bit of background on yourself? Um, we can jump right into it. All right, that's fine. Um, so d- do me a favor. I always like to know the context, like where and when and what you were doing at the time and all that sort of stuff before you saw the thing, and then you can lead us into that. Now, I was living up in uh, Forest Ranch, California, just past it, off Highway 32 in Garland. I was living on a buddy's property in an RV for a short time. So I had been sleeping this night and been woken up by knocking sounds and uh, about 2 a.m. And I thought to myself, who's doing construction? It was my first thought. And then it happened a second time, kind of woke up. But the third time I woke up, it was pretty close by within, I'd say, 75 feet, 50 feet from me. And I got up, started listening, and I thought I heard people kind of running into the trees and the bushes a uh, short distance and, and then more knocking. I cracked open my window and, and really listened, and it sounded like somebody ran behind the RV into the trees. I ended, This was at approximately 4 a.m. I ended up calling my buddy who lives next door, and we're both uh, Marine veterans, and we grabbed our shotguns and, and went out about two minutes after the phone call and walked the property and looked at everything and everything was locked up. There was one open Connex box next to me. Nothing was open or taken from it. Uh, we walked around the property, didn't hear anything. And uh, my buddy ended up having to go to Arizona shortly after that. And uh, he left and we didn't, I didn't hear anything until he left about 
I'd say an hour later. And then all of a sudden the knocking started picking up and it carried on till about seven 30 in the morning. And so a uh, few days go by more here and knocking and stuff and kind of not really knowing what's going on. Um, have my shotgun loaded with me with slugs from then on kind of worried about what I thought was people breaking onto the property or trying to steal stuff. Cause we do have some people that we call them rippers will look for pot, things like that. Um, there's a handful of homeless people that live a few miles away by, uh, by the Creek where we're at, unfortunately. And so my thinking, original thinking was it was that or somebody looking for pot. Uh, but at the time I did think it was weird how the tree knocking was going on from about 1130 midnight to, you know, seven, seven thirty, And it was real odd for me. Um, and I guess in hindsight, it was kind of scary. And I ended up joking with my brother about it to when I told him and thinking, oh, yeah, it's Bigfoot. I even I even test, grabbed a stick and tested it out. And I did and it concurred and figured out that it was someone hitting sticks against trees and making that sound. But uh, it culminated shortly after that, let's say about three, four days afterward, where I was sick and I had slept all day, had a bad stomach flu. And I woke up around two in the morning. I tried to get back to sleep and... Um, I'd say three, three thirty in the morning. I uh, was kind of woken half out of my sleep from a squirrel on the roof. She was looking for nuts and food, and uh, was about to get up and hit the ceiling to get rid of it. When I swore I, I heard something climbing up the uh, propane tanks, which is where I'm sleeping. It's right behind my head, right behind a wall. I first I'm like, "What's this? A raccoon? What you know? What is this?" And it climbs up, and I start hearing heel to heel to toe footprints little footprints and i was pretty shocked and like am i saying to myself am i hearing this right and is this is crazy it has to be something else and then um suddenly the squirrel shrieked and was thrown off the roof um to my amazement um and it said for about an hour hour and a half i heard something heel to toe walking on my roof going along the, the looking for food, I assumed, just going through the branches on top until, let's say, about 6 o'clock, 6, 6.30, um, it stopped. And so I waited, gave it a little while. Kind of, with that, and the whole time I'm trying to peek out my windows, it's real dark there. It's in the middle of the woods and couldn't see anything. But uh, at daybreak... I kind of looked out the window and ended up seeing my neighbor's dog come running over by the RV. And uh, so I went outside, kind of see what it was doing and kind of look around, dwelling over on what happened uh, shortly before this. And uh, all of a sudden, when I get outside, the dog books it across the way about, a hundred, what I'd say, 100 yards next to our nearest neighbor and just books it. And I'm at the corner of my RV kind of looking around when I hear, uh, I guess, uh, kind of like when you call a horse. And it's, it really, it startled me. So I froze and kind of looked around, couldn't see anything. And, uh, the clicking sound was really assertive and it was obviously from a person, but I kind of shortly thought about it and I go, I'm, and I thought to myself, I'm, I'm between a little, some, a parent and it's kid. So I kind of put my hands up and I just, said noped and noped it back inside the RV. And uh, that time I went across by my bed and looked out the, uh, I have a fire escape window right by my bed where it pushes out. 
and the blinds are broken and they only stay down. And so I ended up peeking out the window and, and then at that time, uh, came walking out of the woods, kid you not, was seven foot, eight, probably eight foot tall, massive, hairy gorilla man. Um, walking up, it was about walk from 40 feet away to within 20 feet from the window. And, uh, was looking around, starts kind of clearing the ground, pops a squat, sits down. And, uh, as this is going on, I lean back from the window and I just, holy, fuck, they are real. And it was, to me, it was a Bigfoot and everything I've heard and never, never been told about it. And I uh, looked out the window and it had started collecting leaves and putting all the leaves on the ground around it, uh, piling them on top of it. And uh, started, I thought to myself, I'm like, nobody's ever going to believe this. I need to get a picture. And so I started shakily trying to get the best picture I could from the window. And uh, unfortunately, with the reflection, they never turned out that great. But uh, every time I'd hit the go to take a picture i'd hit the window even a little sound it would cover its take its giant arm and cover itself up with uh with the leaves until it, you just tip point of its skull cap would point out i watched this thing it was what had black hair fur maybe two three four inches maybe three and four inches had a leathery chest it looked a lot like a gorilla but it had more like human eyes and I would, I would watched it look around. It looked worried, concerned. I assume for the little one, um, it was very vigilant and it I noticed it did things that it, I would do in the Marine Corps and like setting up a LPOP or a listening post or observation post. And, uh, it sat there for a while. It would, at one point it would play with a sapling, like bouncing it up with its pointer finger and, pretty it's interesting but it it all showed intelligence which it gave me a primal fear and i mean it could have just ripped the side of off the rv i was in and had me for a snack yeah i want and this was within 20 25 feet away i watched it for good 20 yeah 20 25 minutes until it ended up I, my neck was hurting me and i laid back down and, and i would continue to lay back down after every few minutes and started hearing it walk away looked out got up walked away and left um right out back behind the rv and uh after that i heard what i would what i assume is big several bigfoot running around for two days after that then nothing wow well that's something yeah so it was how thick was the leaf litter on the ground like how much leaves was it piling up it was five feet six feet it's a good pile um, on the property there. We don't clean up the, uh, the pine needles or the leaves in that area outside the, the main property. Um, it had all just fallen off, but yeah, it was a huge pile. And um, yeah, and as it left, it scattered them away, like clearing itself and went out there and looked and there was pieces of bark, six inches, almost squared rectangle, like in a circle where it was uh, almost like butt pads for it and sitting down on it. How's that, Cliff? It, it, it was cold, frozen ground, and it put down bark where it was going to sit, then covered itself. It was real thick, real thick oak leaf litter. 
that just was able to, with those huge long arms, scoop up and pile up, cover it. When it's sitting down, it was four or five feet tall. It was able to cover itself except for its head. Yeah, so it's it sat down and started gathering all the leaves. And, you, and you're saying that they're mostly oak and pine at this point, pine needles and oak leaves. Is that right? Yes. And just kind of scooping it towards itself like a kid burying themselves at the beach with sand, kind of like that. I'll be darned. Until it was it was more or less totally covered. And every time you snapped a picture or made a little noise, it just would, what, freeze or bury itself a little bit more, you're saying? Yeah, it would almost squat down or gather more leaves that it had lost. Um, I have some pictures we're looking at. You can see kind of its head down in the pile of leaves. You can make it out. It, uh any noise and it would its head would would be on a swivel like you said very vigilant looking out for anybody and anything and um i mean if you were to walk by it not paying you know just oblivious it would just look like a big pile of leaves so yeah you mentioned something in there um about what you would do in the marine corps um if you were on on watch you, you threw some letters out some like a military jargon you know and my military experience involves getting kicked out of boy scouts and that's it so can you translate that for people like me ne'er-do-wells like me um uh, can you tell us what that was about like what did you see it doing that you would do on watch in the military um it picked a spot that was more hidden behind the RV, hidden from the main sight lines. Um, like in, in the military, you'd set up, say, a listening post. It's a p- good position where you can hear your surrounding, hear what's going on, hear the enemy, hear any danger. Uh, an observation post is where you, you can be in a decent um, area where you can observe the, the enemy, to observe threats. And so the, the Bigfoot picked two trees in the middle of two trees that was behind the RV. There was a Connex box kind of in front of it, but straight ahead, there's a good sight line of the main house. And to the right, you can see a good area, a walkway coming up and around the RV. So to me, it picked a more hidden area and where it came in walking, it, it could have fixed, it had several other options. And the, hide behind the trees and the conics box and where it was at it to me it showed intelligence it showed strategy um to stay hidden but to be able to observe and listen to any threats or any humans really is the way i took it but that is my opinion again stay tuned for more bigfoot and beyond with cliff and bobo we'll be right back after these messages If you didn't know it was there, do you think you would have noticed it? I like just like you said, walking by earlier. Like you said, there was pretty much totally covered except for the tip of the head or something. So you would have not not, not been able to see this thing unless you saw it cover itself. Yeah, no, I, I probably would have just known a big pile of leaves and thought my buddy had raked them up or not. I wouldn't. Yeah, I would have been oblivious to it. Um, maybe the change in scenery, noticing there's a pile of leaves, but. No, it was very well hidden, frozen, solid. While looking around, any slight noise, it would freeze and it would get underneath the leaves and freeze. It was insane. And to me, again, it shows a good amount of intelligence, which is shocking to me. Yeah, and putting down the bark to sit on is pretty interesting. Yeah. And I mean, even I thought playing with the sapling and almost a sense of kind of boredom, like, uh, to menial tasks, even it, it was, like I said, shocking. It, that to me, there's uh, 
a monster like that out in the woods. And, you know, I've had quite a few run-ins with bears while I was living there and cougar here and there, but this was huge. It, it like, it gave me a, quite the, like a primal fear of what, what is this thing capable of? <laughs> Where is it going? I'm sorry. You probably said this and I'm taking notes by the way, but you probably said this, but I don't see it. Um, what time of day was this? Uh, it was right at dawn. And, and this was uh, what time of year again? Um, it was in November. So the fall, um, is yeah, no, November 7th. I believe the sighting was on. So, and what year? Oh, this past year, 2020, 2020. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. He wasn't far away from these other people I was in contact with down there in Berry Creek. They got burned out. They had Bigfoot living on their property, you know, half the time. And those things moved out. And then all of a sudden, these guys started getting stuff up there a few weeks later. Yeah, with with all the activity, it was to me, it was almost an all hands on where there was so many sounded like so many people running around and knocking all over the area. You'd have a truck driving down the road. You'd hear knocking ahead of it, almost a warn of a vehicle coming. Um, just they, like I said, there was tree knocking everywhere around the area, the housing area. There is there's probably 40 houses in this area and just all for a short period. And to me, and it was right after the Berry Creek fire. And to me, it was like all hands on deck or their food sources were depleted, lost their home. So they needed to get a bunch of food ready for the winter and get going. What's the elevation in the spot? Oh, 5,000 feet, I believe. Oh, it's pretty high up there. It's decent. It's about the same as Magalia or a little higher than Magalia. It snows. Um, and there was no start snow yet this year, right? Yeah, not yet. Or there was, but after I left. Yeah, it was kind of a late year, I think, this year. Um, so um, you mentioned that the length of the hair and whatever. Now, was this a, a what, what color is this thing? Black. Yeah, it looked a lot like a gorilla. Or I even compared it to if you ever hear about Stalin trying to create a gorilla army, it's exactly what you'd think. Right, right. So now when I think of gorillas, I often think of like the silver tipped hair as well. Was it all, was it all black or did it have some sort of variation to its hair like maybe a gorilla might? Yeah, it was all black from what I could tell and what I saw. I didn't notice any other color. Okay. But tell me about the hands. As you, know, you must have seen the hands. You were looking at this for 20 minutes. Um, did you notice anything peculiar about them or different or what did you notice about them? They were gigantic five-fingered hands. They looked a lot like a human. Very hard, the same way you articulate it. Um, it, same movements. Um, it was a lot of its actions were more human-like. Um, and its observations. Um, it's uh, it had really long fingers. Really, by what looked like black fingernails. On that note, it it was really clean, and I was really shocked that it was so clean. I mean, I have a furry cat. He let him out every now and then up there and he'd come back with sap and covered in dirt. But it was something that really stood out to me and was kind of I've thought on quite a bit is it was very clean. You would think something, an animal per se, living out in the woods. So almost like it was groomed, perhaps in a way, you know, like like smooth coat. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, one could say, yeah, it had straight hair, fur. Did you notice any, any, any hair on any particular part of his body was longer than anything else? Was it noticeable? Maybe the shoulders, but nothing that really stand, stands out that I can think of. Uh-huh. Okay. So it seemed more or less the same length everywhere, more or less. Yeah. 
It was bad. It had no hair on the chest. It was real leathery. How, how exactly did it stand up? Did it use its hands? Did it roll to its side and push itself up? Or I don't. I didn't see it stand up. I had looked away and looked again. And it was already standing up. Uh, and then how did it? You said it covered its tracks. Like I mean, if there's a five foot pile of leaves and needles there, what did it do with that? Scooted him away, pushed him away with his hands and feet. Was he moving real quick or kind of casual? More casual, actually, but still with a sense of urgency. Just like work's done, time to go. You know, and during this time, I was kind of looking away and I was kind of afraid it would see me. Understandable concern. What do you think it was doing? Like what? When the like? I haven't sat around and covered myself with leaves for decades. You know, like what? What? What do you think it was actually doing? Why would it do that? I, I think the little one was collecting food, and it was watching him. Um, because uh, that next day, I went up on top of the RV and looked for evidence, and I caught a I got a couple photos where there were fingers like. Two fingers through, like three fingerprints on there, real small, um, and uh, another handprint and scratches where on the, by the propane tank where I heard it climb up. Um, so I assumed it was collecting food, and the big guy was just watching and watching out for him. So you didn't see the little one though, right? No, I got a picture and kind of enhanced it, and it looks like a little one, but it's who can say. Tell us about the photographs, because um, this is a radio show, of course, and we can't look at them. Um, but yeah, tell us about what, what you captured, actually. And I'm assuming you'll be able to see these photographs on the documentary you just did with Bobo? Yeah, I, they, they got them on camera. Um, yeah, you get one of them uh, here. You can see what looks like an index finger, middle finger, pointer, and thumb. Um, and there are circles where you can see, because it was pretty wet. It had rain the day before. It, it was clearing up that morning and uh so there is there's a transition of mud um hand muddy handprints and you can see like i said for three fingers and the thumb kind of the palm and you can kind of almost make out dermal ridges from the finger um one of them and then there's another one you can make out two definite uh fingers and these were taken on top of the RV. Like anything in particular that you were uh, photographing? Like was it the vent? Was it the side, like the roof, or what was it? I walked along the sides because I can't walk on the center; could collapse. And just looked around for anything and any evidence to corroborate what I heard and saw. And that you would, they were they were very evident on the roof with the mud. It's a white roof, a rubberized coating. And so you can make out the dirt on it. Um, and yeah, you can definitely make out, uh, the, like I said, the handprint and then a different area going along where I heard it. And you can see like a finger, what looks maybe like a pointer finger and a middle finger. But you can see the, the roundness of it, the, the pad of the finger. Did you find any uh, f like mud from the feet or anything on the roof, or is just hands? I just hands that you can make out. There's some stuff that maybe is a mix between feet and leaves, but nothing definitive that you can say. You know, ah, oh, that's a foot. Now you said you snapped a couple of pictures of this thing in the leaf pile too. What can you see in those photographs? You you can see in one of them. 
you have to zoom in on it. And it's in a, with my iPhone 11, and one of them you can, if you zoom in right, you can make out from what I, what I think is an arm pollen up the leaves can kind of gather more leaves. You can see um, in, in their video, you can see a head kind of on a swivel looking around. Um, you can see the tip kind of black, round, roundish head. But like I said, it was with the reflection of it and having to zoom in and I would just stick my arm out to do it. When I opened it up, it would pile itself on. And, and like I said, I was afraid to make any noise. This thing could have just ripped open the RV and had me for a snack. I, you know, and it's like, to me, I know why Bigfoot pictures are blurry now. because Nobody in their right mind is going to go up to Bigfoot and say, hey, say cheese. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. I do kind of regret not just running out there and taking a picture and then running back and running away. As soon as you tried that, as soon as you opened the door, it would have been up and out of there so fast. You would have got, you would have got worse pictures. Or a hell of a video. Yeah, like what do you what do you do in that situation? It's there. Like, do you just lay low, try to extend the situation, try to extend the encounter, or do you do something to disrupt it so it does leave, and then you get two and a half seconds of a black blur as it runs to the woods with lightning speed that no one will believe you anyway. I never thought I would be on a podcast or doing the document. I never thought this would happen in a million years, and I put it up there because I was thinking if somebody gets up to that area, it would be. A- good research and and to me it was like if I, i'm seeing this this thing's real you know i think more people are seeing it and if more people speak out then it might become more acceptable it's for study or whatnot but i think that's why i put my report in with the bfro and i guess yeah i never thought i'd it would have gone this far yeah. So, so have you, uh, have your neighbors seen this thing or have they been hearing the noises? There was two other neighbors I talked to. Um, there was another woman who had a few kids that lives a little bit down the road. And she had said, cause I had asked her, oh, do you know, have you heard that knocking going around? She goes, yeah, I know what it is. And we, then we both say Bigfoot at the same time. And, uh, she proceeds to tell me how, uh, at night one time, and again, it's really dark. Um, she has, her kids have a toy fire truck and she saw it light up outside and she grabbed a flashlight and spotted out. And she saw what she said, an eight foot tall, hairy man, uh, take off running. And another gentleman who lives nearby, he was hearing noises outside and opened his front door and saw a seven foot, eight foot tall, hairy person duck behind the trees and then run off. Well, I have something interesting to share with you because listening to your report, this whole leaves thing, the leaves, um, it reminded me of another sighting. So I just, I just, that I, that was reported to me back in 2009. Um, I just pulled up the email real fast. Let me read this to you just because it has so much to do with what you observed. Okay. Um, this, the, the woman reported this, I'm not going to say her name or anything like that, but it was re, it, the, she sent me the email on September 30th in 2009. Um, and she said, she, I'm reading directly from the email right now. She says in 1968, I lived in the Bay area of California. 
a couple of young men friends and I took a car trip to where I where I believe was inland from Highway 1 in the Monterey area. We hiked into a wooded area that had a deep bed of fallen leaves. I stopped and turned to say something to one of my companions when there was a shuffling, rustling sound right beside me. When I looked, I saw... And um, then she says, how can I describe this? Maybe a four foot tall rounded stance figure as though almost crouching and hunched forward, a broad bodied creature that appeared to have just come up from under the leaves where it may have been napping, I thought. The head-shoulder differentiation was quite slight, though I saw it from the rear. I'm assuming it was a juvenile since it was so small compared to the extraordinary size that adults are purported to have. This creature did not pause, but scuttled away from us, disappearing very quickly into the thickly wooded distance. It didn't move like a bear, but uh, was upright as it ran. Um, the, the back blah, blah, blah. She goes on describes what they did afterwards. But again, um, the, she interpreted this thing as coming, arising up from a, a, being covered in leaves and then running off. So it's so interesting because I think for a lot of people listening, your story will be the first that uh, describes something like this in behavior, but it's actually been recorded before. That is fascinating. And I mean, I would imagine that they can only do it when there's leaves on the ground and yeah, or, or pine needles or, you know, cause you know, living in the Sierras like you do, I mean, that stuff gets piled up quite thick sometimes, you know, it reminds me of the moneymaker uh, thing when finding Bigfoot, when he covered himself with pine needles, you know, and it was hilarious to see Matt do it, but he had a point that uh, that is a very reasonable way to insulate yourself against uh, more extreme cold and also just to kind of get comfy. Because clearly, your observation of this thing putting bark down before it sat indicates that it's, a, you know, it's insulating its body from the ground. Because the ground, as you know from a Marine, being a Marine, it'll suck the heat right out of you, you know? Uh, yeah, so you want to put something like an air mattress or bark or pine needles or, or leaves between you, you and the ground to kind of save yourself from that trouble from being so cold. So very interesting observation. Yeah. Hey, uh, when you saw that thing walk, how did it compare to the Patterson Gimlin film? You know, uh, Warren showed me that in the high def version. And I'm convinced more than ever that that's a real Bigfoot. Um, it looked a lot like what I saw. I mean, almost identical except without the breasts and bigger muscles and, you know, more man masculine, uh, characteristics, but it walked about the same, looked the same, you know, it, I, I thought that blown, blew me away, really seeing that in high def and pretty almost identical to what I saw from, from what I could gather from it. In such a circumstance that you found yourself in being probably, I'm assuming, rather overwhelmed by the situation. Um, your paradigm is shifting right in front of your eyes. There's something that you never really thought was real. And all this knocking business for the previous week or two or three is suddenly solved and like, oh, my God, there's one. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and I've heard stories of Bigfoot and stuff and I thought, Hey, you know, it's possible. We just, I mean, a researcher in what Africa did almost 10 years of studying what a tiger, a certain tiger or lion, um, whatnot, and only saw it twice in that period. And it's, so uh, to me, it was like, who knows what's out there, but definitely seeing it was, it doesn't do anything you've seen on TV justice. It's insane. It's it's insane. It's mind blowing at the size of this creature. It's incredible. 
I, I had still been blown away by the whole sighting. Have you tried to draw this thing? Oh, I can't draw for to save my life. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, um, it's quite the hardest, but. <laughs> It matters a little less with this sort of thing because um, I always encourage witnesses. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to share it with anybody, right? But by drawing it, sometimes new details and um, things it jogs your memory in a way, or uh, because you know you, as you're trying to communicate with your hands to get the shape of the line on the paper correct, like you're saying, oh, it's a little bit more like that. No, it's a little bit more like this. You know, so it might it might be a fun, interesting exercise for you to do. You know, after you get out the line or whatever, and. Um, just for your own sake, if nothing else, is to try to draw this thing because uh, it does actually help remember things sometimes. It helps you remember things sometimes. Then again, maybe you don't want to remember any more of it. I, you know, I would be happy if I never saw one again. So it was just getting light when you saw it, and then when it left, it was pretty much light out? Yeah, no, it was pretty bright when I saw it. The sun was probably just getting over, you know, just a little bit over the horizon. Just about to cross the hilltops. Yeah. Okay, so this is right before daybreak then, or gray light, I guess we can call it. Yeah. And what'd you guesstimate the size, like height and weight? I want to say eight feet tall, or just under, and 600 pounds. What was the shape of like the torso? Is it like a block or like a V more? It's more of the V, the bodybuilder look. I mean, its muscles were very prominent striations and was very he was ripped did you go out to the leaf pile after it left yeah what did you discover there it had like you said scattered the leaves and that's when i noticed the uh what the chunks of bark used for like butt pads there was a definitive circle um i dug through it looking for hair i couldn't see anything um but you see kind of uh, it had scattered the leaves around and kind of scraped up some dirt. And what I felt was it was really covering its tracks. Did it have any smell or anything like that? No. And I've, I've since then kind of looking into it, read some stories about heavy smells and things and skunks and kind of smell. But yeah, I didn't notice anything. And just it was really quiet after it left. Um, I didn't hear any wildlife or anything making a noise during this time. And normally you hear squirrels running around or crows flying around. And it was very quiet for about quite some time before and after. Why do you think it was interested in this property? From what I could hear and gathered from the other, the two neighbors I talked to, they were just all on the area gathering food. But we, under the property, there's a mine. And there's a uh, few mines around that area. So I wondered if they were staying in the mines. But uh, I, I think they were looking for human food, food too. They knew humans are there and get some of that food. They were looking for I think maybe anything and everything they could to get to eat. And what do you think they were trying to eat? What were they trying to get from the humans? Is it, is it like a, the dog food they'd leave out or were you growing uh, gardens there? Or, you know, what, what was available for them to grab a little bit of that you may not have noticed? Like any, any going missing? Wind trash, garbage, um, cat food, dog food. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, anything left over by humans left out is, is what I think. Um, and the trees and what's you know seeds and stuff and whatnot are there fruit trees on the property no no there's no fruit trees i don't think you can grow up there 
I like that. I think there's there's berry bushes around there, blackberries. Um, that's a possibility, but I, I can't really say for sure. That's I mean, looking back, that's what I I, th- I think they're just desperate. That's why they were so close because you'd hear it's what sounded like four or five big guys running around, and and I, I would hear like one time I heard a knee like cartilage pop in the knee about 20, 20, 30 feet away, running by as I'm laying in bed another night. Um, I heard a, a weird whistle. I can't recreate it, but it was um, strange whistling sound, which to me sounded, um, um, I can say, um, made by an intelligence. It, it, was, it was overall sporadic. There was no real organization with, with what I heard. Not like, hey, there's food here. Let's go here. It was like said all over the place, more frantic. Again, it's assumption gathering food. Now, looking back, since a little bit of time has passed, did you do you think that there are other things associated with the Sasquatches being present that you might have just overlooked as only slightly odd or perfectly normal at the time? You know, and um, I'm just throwing some things out. Maybe something that had been moved on the property, or maybe a strange calls in the distance, or that kind of thing. Like, who knows? Like, looking back, do you see? indications of their presence besides hearing you know people running around outside the walls of your trailer you know no no it was sudden with the tree knock and the noises and the, the activity and just as sudden as it started it stopped i've never seen anything heard noises like that anything like that in the woods before and i'm pretty avid outdoorsman you know camping hiking and stuff and hunting and bad times and so it's I haven't heard nothing, seen nothing like this ever before. I got to wonder, you know, it'd be one thing to be like, uh, to know that they're out there. Like, oh my God, that's a Sasquatch. I know. I don't know if that's scarier or just someday they're there and you had no indication that they were around at all. And suddenly they're gone and make you always wonder how long have they been hanging out that I didn't know they were there. Yes. That is thought has crossed my numerous times and I'm definitely not going out in the woods uh, unarmed from now on. Wow, that is one hell of an observation, Jesse. That is just amazing. It really is. There's so it's so rare to speak to witnesses who have seen them so closely, and especially for so long, like twenty or twenty or twenty five minutes. That's an eternity. Yeah, that's what I've come to find out. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. It's a blessing. Oh, and uh, for those that are wondering why Jesse, like, well, why did you just watch it? Watch it the whole time. He's a uh, he's got a lot of injuries from his service. He's disabled that. And for him to twist up that position to look out that emergency window was a strain on him. So he couldn't continuously watch it. That's why he would lay back down. Because that's why I was, I was wondering, like, how could you take your eyes off of it? You know, 20, 30 minutes. Like, how, you, I mean, that's impossible to take your eyes off. You just got to look at it. He's like, oh, man, I was in a lot of pain. And that's why it wasn't like a continuous observation. Yeah. So when you said your neck hurt, it wasn't just from twisting it around. It's actually from uh, injuries from serving our country, right? Yeah, I got spinal injury pretty bad, neck and lower back. Wow. Well, you got to experience something that very, very few people ever get to do. Which, which and I talked about the Sasquatch sighting, of course. Um, it's just what a tremendous, you know, blessing. I mean, I, a blessing or curse, your choice. I'd say go blessing because uh, I mean, why not? You lived, everything's cool, everybody's safe. Um, you, you don't live there anymore, is that right? Yeah, I, I have since moved. Um like what January end of January. And there was nothing else that happened between November and the end of January, I assume. 
No, I, yeah, I talked to my buddy who lives there several times now, and he hasn't heard anything or seen anything. Okay, Jesse, man, that's a great setting you have. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing it with us. There's a few different uh, aspects to it that make it interesting. So, yeah, we just appreciate you coming on and sharing with our audience. Yeah, I can't thank you enough, man. A fantastic observation that's extended up close and personal with really, really interesting behaviors. So thank you so much for being willing to come on our show. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I'll see you around sometime, Jesse. We'll get out there. I'll talk to you soon. All right, see you guys. Bye. You outdid yourself, Bobo. Yeah, it's pretty good, huh? Like, I, I especially like the way it covered itself up, you know, and, and put down the bark butt pads you know to keep its butt you know warm yeah you know and and of course i, I read you that uh citing about the the leaves uh the leaves in uh you know the monterey area i always thought right. that was interesting and here's another occasion where somebody observed that uh, i like the clearing of the area after it sat up i heard that from a kentucky location one time yeah. um yeah a lot of things in here kind of ring true and it's going to make me look at these uh supposed brush piles a little bit more closely when i'm out in the woods brings to mind Bob Strain's situation where he thought they were logs under that, you know, in the brush. He was about ready to walk across these logs. And when he went after they saw the Sasquatches come out of that same brush area, he went back to check it out and those logs were gone. Yeah, exactly. Sasquatches are masters at camouflage. Well, yeah, that was another good episode, Cliff. We had a great witness. Um, it's always fun doing an interview with you. So spread the word, share, hit the like button. We appreciate it. So until next time, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 